0: Alright, so uh, hello, my name is Wes, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, it's good to be here to be talking through this series. We're going through a series called Becoming Who We Are. You've seen it in some of the imaging, you've seen it in the banners coming through the doors, and uh, this has been a series that we've been going through that talks about five parts of discipleship, so following Jesus, that we call rhythms. And we believe that doing these rhythms will actually help us to follow Jesus more fully, and so we looked at these, these topics that we, we, we talk about celebrate big, like today we enjoy the, the baptism today. We celebrate big. We follow Jesus daily. We do community with a few. The last two weeks we've done is been serving one another. And today is the first of two uh, messages on engaging in mission together. So here's the tagline that I want us to really remember today, okay? So as... As Jesus followers, we are missionaries. Okay, I'm going to say it again. As Jesus followers, we are missionaries. Everywhere we go, we are missionaries. We don't need to go to a foreign country like Colombia, because we know that Colombia, there's a team of us that's there right now. We don't need to do foreign missions to be missionaries. We already are missionaries to Canada. Now, I want to start off with a story that helps us kind of get into the topic today. And this is going back to last summer when my family took our van across the country, uh, all the way across Canada, and all the way back. So we were in New Brunswick, and we were at this tourist attraction called Magnetic Hill. And if you've heard of it, it's this natural phenomenon. You turn off your vehicle and it's this crazy thing that's going on. You can Google it it if you want to know more. And as we were coming out of this tourist attraction, we drive, there's six of us in this van, we drive out onto the frontage road that leads us to to the highway. And as we're about to drive on, I see a big truck and trailer come from my right and coming across. So I waited for the big truck and trailer to go forward, and then I pulled onto the road. Now, i didn 't see this, but all of a sudden, I had to stop suddenly, and this is what I saw. I saw a little hot pink sports car with a blonde lady yelling out the window. Her purse dog that is in the back seat also had the window down y- yipping at me, and she was emphatically telling me that I was number one. <laughs> so a lot of things go through your mind when you 're a pastor and you know that you 're in New brunswick you People don't know that your van, they don't know your license plate, they don't know you're a pastor. And a lot of things started, and I wasn't quick enough to tell her that she also was number one. <laughs> just to make sure that's clear. But I did think through some of the things, like, how is this happening? This is injustice, she's being ungracious to me. Like, this was just a simple mistake, I didn't, wasn't trying to cut her off. So, of course, when you go onto a street and someone is continually going on, you end up behind the person. And that made me a little nervous, but I'm still, I'm wrestling through these thoughts of like, oh man, I, I can't believe this happened. And you know that feeling you've had that, maybe you've had that before or he just sits with you, that, that feeling of, of like, oh, like just, oh, I need to change that but I can't. And as we were going behind this lady, our whole van started bursting out laughing because somebody in the van just said, what? And her license plate says, Spoiled? And it was at that moment that we just all burst out laughing. We were talking about it forever. The whole chunk of my trip was talking about, do you remember Spoiled? And how funny that was and how ironic that was that that was her license plate. You know, I don't know about you, but if you've come across similar situations, but where you have to contemplate how you respond to people, whether it's good or bad. You have to think through your reputation. You have to think through your influence as a Jesus follower. Maybe you've had that before. I think in our day-to-day, our vacations, our recreation, our workplace, we need to be thinking about everywhere how we are representatives of Jesus for those who follow Jesus. That we are missionaries. Everywhere we go, we are missionaries. Even if it's across the country and back, we are still missionaries. We are examples to others of what it is like to follow Jesus. Well, that can sometimes scare us, doesn't it? That who we are, people should know how to live through how we conduct ourselves. How we live, how we speak, how we respond. In fact, for me, I don't know about you, but I'm not always thinking about being a missionary. I don't always think about my influence, my example to others as I'm living my life. If they don't know me personally, I know that they don't know that I'm a Christian. As I go to the store, as I walk in the park, as I drive down the road, everywhere I go, it's something I can't just take on and off as I go along. I can't say, I'm not going to be a Jesus follower, I'm going to take it off. I'm going to put it back on when I come to church. It's not like that, it's all the time. So, how should we act towards outsiders? If there's this tension, and we know this tension, we we feel this tension, how should we act towards people that are outside the church? Well, thankfully, the Bible does tell us about this, so if you want to turn into uh, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, if you want to pull that up on your phone, or I'm going to read this for you now, and this is a passage that has really impacted me over the last little while, as we look at being missionaries and as we look at engaging in mission together. So... Colossians chapter 4 says this, verse 5 Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So in this passage, There are two main things that we need to take away. The first is how to live, that first verse. The second verse is how to speak. So we're going to go right into the first one, how to live. How should we live in front of those who are outside the church? How should we live as missionaries? Well, as you see here, there's a lot to be taken from it. And I think we can start with this idea of knowing that, okay, if we are followers of Jesus, we need to reflect Jesus. We need to be examples of Jesus. And how was Jesus? Well, Jesus, if you put a quick picture in your mind, he was a servant. He was a servant. And in Philippians 2 verse 7, he says that, that, he, that, that Paul says that, that Jesus became a servant and he, took, he humbled himself and took up death and death on a cross. He made himself nothing so that he could serve. You know, that's a, a great example. That is a perfect example and I know the tension of feeling the way you do, and I don't know if I'm always like that. So we need to be wise, as this passage in Colossians says. We need to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. I think we have to be wise because being a servant isn't natural for us, is it? I think often we, we think what's best for us, or we kind of go along our day and don't think about anybody else. We just we don't think about serving. We don't think about being a missionary, so we just go on our day and we and we don't think about these things. But this passage says to be wise. Well, what does wise look like? Wise literally means the wording in this passage. Um, when you dig into the text, it means to walk in wisdom. This passage is saying that as you are going, as you are walking, be wise. So as you're going, as you're going about your day, and this is similar language that we see in the Great Commission, isn't it? The Great Commission is Matthew 28 that says, go and make disciples of all nations. That word go is actually, as you are going, make disciples of all nations. So now we have this idea of we are wise, we are going, and that we're going in our daily lives. We're just doing life the way we should, but this is how we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be wise. So if we, we are to walk in wisdom like Jesus. We can be wise, but not only at that, if we are wise, we have to be thinking about the example and to say, to help there be no room for outsiders to criticize or gossip about our behavior. That's a a high calling, isn't it? This is the level, this is the the bar that we're looking at and saying, oh, we have to live to this stuff if we want to follow Jesus. But you and I both know that being wise is hard, isn't it? All the, all the time wise? I mean, we can be wise sometimes, but to be wise all the time? How can, that, how can we be really wise all the time? But the next part of the passage says this. To take up every opportunity. So what does it look like to take the most of, make the most of every opportunity? In this passage, it's, it's using this analogy, this wording is, is being used, it's really critical, is that, that if we're making the most of every opportunity, there's a sense of urgency to it. There's not just a make a most of, oh, an opportunity just came to me, I'll nonchalantly just do, with, do whatever I think I need to do. This is a sense of urgency, and so the wording really used is, is this idea of buying up, or buying out, or snapping it up, like it's, like it's a commodity, like it's something you need to grasp that you can't help but just go for. Where we, we are to live like we have seen a good deal so that we just can't pass it up. I know we felt that before, because I know that some of us here cannot pass up a good deal, can you? You just see some advertisement or you see something and you just think, oh, I just have to have that. And that same urgency, that same feeling that you get should be the way that we make the most of every opportunity with those who are outside the church. One of my friends uh, a number of years ago meant, talked to me about how he would go every week before he went to the grocery store, he would go through his coupon books and his newspapers and his websites and everything he possibly can, and he based his whole life on the getting the good deal for his groceries, So he would continually, he'd spend his time making sure he did, and he would save tens of dollars, probably, I don't know, maybe more, but he would save lots and lots of money, but his whole, the idea is that his whole mindset was built upon this urgency of, I got to get the right deal for this. That's the sort of thing that we're talking about in this passage. You see, if we identify our patient, our waiting And watching for those who are close to committing their lives to Jesus. I think this passage in Colossians is telling us that we need to snatch it up. The opportunity to get on it. To move the conversation that you could be having with somebody along. So that they have the opportunity to follow Jesus. This week I had a lady in my office that I've been walking this road with. And I was talking with her and, and as I was talking with her, she started explaining it to me because I had emailed her and I said, Hey, this is how you become a Jesus follower. And I, I wrote out some things that she needs to pray through and she had started to do this. And I said, okay, so what's the problem? And she says, well, I just don't want to put both feet in to following Jesus. I was like, okay. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so I, I can visualize this. So she's on a road and there's some roadblocks. You know, those wooden roadblocks You can imagine like people put up a roadblock in front of a road. And so I said, well, what is the problem? And she shared one of the problems. And I said, okay. So I answered what it was. And she said, okay, I feel better about that. So I took the roadblock and I laid it down. And I said, well, what else do you have? And I said, okay. She's like, how about this? And so I answered that question and I said, okay, here's another roadblock. And I continued to take down these roadblocks for her. Because I knew that there's something stopping her from following Jesus. At the end of taking down all those roadblocks, and I was visualizing this as I was talking with her, I said, now, what do you do? What's next? At that point, she said, Well, I think the answer is I have to step out in faith, isn't it? I said, Exactly. You just need to step out in faith. That's all that's left. And that's hard, isn't it? And she said, Absolutely, that's hard. And as we continued to massage the conversation and help her to see where she was at, she said, You know what? I really think that I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. And it was that, it was that, that time, this past week, this, this lady decided, I'm in with both feet. I've decided to follow Jesus. and she, So we prayed in my office, just upstairs. It was awesome. But making the most of every opportunity is not backing down from something that, that is so, so critical to someone's life. To help them to come to know Jesus and to follow Jesus in a greater way. We have the best person in the world to offer people, don't we? Jesus. He is the one that changes everything. How do we treat the urgency of him and his call and his cause? Do we, do we treat his, him with that same urgency that we talked about earlier? So the first thing that we talked about in this passage is how do, how do we live? It all starts with being wise, remembering our witness, and making the most of every opportunity. But there is a second part to this passage, and that is how to speak. So how do we talk as a missionary here in our city? If we are to be missionaries in Langley and Abbotsford and Cloverdale and wherever you're from, what does that look like? How do I speak like a missionary? Well, in verse 6, it says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is how we should speak. That every conversation should be intentional with those who are not believers in Jesus. That if someone doesn't follow Jesus, that every single opportunity, every conversation is an opportunity. Let me ask you this collectively, what comes out of our mouths when we speak? Does it match this idea of every conversation being filled with grace? Does it prove our reputation as worthy? Does it validate our witness? Does what does what does what daily comes out of our mouths? Could outsiders of the church accuse us as of, of always being gracious? Could they say, yes, that person that's in the church, they're always gracious, aren't they? Because I know for me, I know that struggle, and I know. There's been times when I've been rightly accused of not being gracious enough in my conversations. I share the story about that lady in my office, but that's not always the case. There are times when I've backed down and I haven't been gracious and I haven't taken the opportunity. The thing I was reflecting on this week as I was preparing was this. What comes out of your mouth was in your mind. What comes out of your mouth was first in your mind and it also does something else that reflects what's inside your heart. So if the way you're speaking is the way that what you think about, then it's gonna continue to come out of you because not only is it in your mind, but it's in your heart and that's the values that you have for life. Whatever you value in life, whatever's important to your life, if Jesus is important, then Jesus will come out. If Jesus is not important, Jesus will not come out of your life So back to the passage, grace here means that we need to be gracious with people. We need to be kind. We need to be pleasant. But it's more than that. When we see that we are to to always be full of grace, this word grace is for us to represent how we've received grace and how that has changed everything in our lives. That the grace of Jesus has made everything different. And then that should fuel from our hearts and up out of our mouths to every conversation. If we lead with grace, we will be wise and make the most of every opportunity. Maybe you don't always feel like you lead with speaking grace. I, I hear you. I'm not always gracious. But if you think about it this way, where do we start from there? I think we need to retrain our speech. Retraining speech is hard. If you've ever tried to stop swearing, if you've ever tried to stop coarse joking, if you ever t- tried to do those things, I know what it was like to be a non-Christian person and deciding, I'm going to live for Jesus now. <laughs> That's a bunch of things that have to change. You need to retrain it. You've got to think about it like a muscle. Now, I'm in the process of rehabilitating my shoulder And when my physiotherapist told me what my shoulder was like, it was like it was paper thin because I was not using my shoulder because I was worried all the time of it falling out. But over time, over this past year, I've been building up the muscle. I've been working at it. I've been training myself to be able to use my shoulder again. Just like that in our speech, we need to remember that maybe our muscles are just, that muscle right over top is just paper thin. And it needs to be built up. It needs to be strengthened so that everything holds together. That analogy is true for our speech. We need to think about how we present ourselves, how we talk, and how we are sharing grace. If you don't use a muscle, you'll lose it. And we don't want to lose it, do we? So going back to the passage, why did this writer talk about salt? Why bother talking about salt? Where does that come from? Why, why bother with salt? The first thing you can think of is, okay, well, in New Testament times, there wasn't refrigerators or electricity and that sort of thing, so you think, okay, so maybe salt was used in prep- the preservation of food, and that's true, but this passage isn't talking about it that way. So what is salt? Why is it here? Salt is used in this passage to give taste and flavor. You do know and you do realize that when you put in salt, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes the flavor of things sometimes. It can ruin it or it can just expl- completely enhance all those flavors. And that's the imagery that we need to use here. That it needs to be used as an enhancer of things. Salt gives zest and liveliness to a conversation. So Ben talked about that mid- to mid-sermon snack. Okay, so just want to put it in your head. We've got a wonderful steak in front of you. If you're vegan, I'm sorry. But you just think, I I love steak. And so just imagine you spreading that salt over there, you know? But you got to think, everywhere you go, you're putting salt onto the, to the food you eat, be thinking about how you're putting salt in every, every conversation. That you're taking salt and you're just flinging it in the air. You're saying, yes, everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I say, I just want to keep sending that salt of grace everywhere. That I want to make sure that everything is seasoned with salt. And if we do this well, there will be t- some tasty conversations, won't there be? we'll have some tasty conversations with people. All of a sudden we realize something is happening and that there's something different about our conversations because we're remembering to put this idea of grace into every conversation. We are to make our example and influence on others interesting, lively, and colorful. Now there's some easy things you can do to be a witness for Jesus. Like I was talking to a teen in our our church, one of the teenagers in our church recently and they are explaining to me, uh, just the example of them not swearing in front of their non-believing friends at the public school is enough for them to say, hey, wait a second, why don't you do what we do? It's as if you're, you're caught in this, this, all of a sudden you walk into the situation and you know that it's going downhill fast with gossip and you just don't partake. You think, oh, by not partaking, am I just being here? Am I part of this? Am I, am I encouraging it? But people will notice if you continually do that. You're continually seasoning that conversation with salt and saying, I will not participate in ripping apart that person. It's not fair, they're not here, and they don't deserve it. Being noticed in this way is good. Blending in, though, is worse for us because we, if we, we lose our effectiveness and saltiness, we can lose it. But to have enough salt to give, we are to follow Jesus daily to understand the basics of our faith so that we know how to answer everyone, right? That's what the passage says. So that we may know how to answer everyone. So we need to get back to the basics. We need to spend time practicing the way of Jesus and following him and remembering that we are missionaries so that we are prepared to be the missionaries that we're called to be. Could it be That the reason why we don't share our faith is because we haven't even prepared ourselves with the fundamentals of the faith. The verse that was read earlier uh, by Ben says this. This is 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. To always be prepared to give the reason why you have this belief in Jesus and a hope for something more to life than just the life that we live. Are we prepared? If we are expected to give an answer, that means that we have questions coming our way, right? If we're expected to give an answer, then we have questions coming our way and that means that people that don't follow Jesus need to be seeing this in our lives which means we need to be spending time with people who don't follow Jesus. It's true. They won't know you. They don't know that you're a believer in Jesus. You can't be effective in your saltiness. How do we properly prepare ourselves for this if we don't spend time sharing our lives with those who don't know Jesus? And how will they see that we are different if we're not, uh, if we're not uh, around them and to show them that we're different? that there's more to life than the life that they're living and that we're living. There is a hope in Jesus. We as Jesus followers then become irrelevant to outsiders because we haven't taken the time to be available. We become irrelevant. It reminds me of that passage in Matthew 5, verse 13. So what happens to salt was that when it loses its saltiness, some of you know, when salt, Matthew 5:13 says if salt loses its saltiness, it's thrown out. It's not good for anything. It's good for nothing. Well, we don't want that, do we? We don't want to be not salty anymore. If we don't focus on these things, we can lose our saltiness. Well, I've got a couple of key questions that I want us to really focus on now. And the first one is this. When was the last time you realized that you salted a conversation? When was the last time that you thought, oh, hey, I, I I just salted a conversation? When was that last time? For some of you, uh, you maybe don't even realize that you're doing it, and it's awesome. You're just always doing this, and you realize the, the fruit of it later, and you think, oh man, I was doing it. I was doing it, and I was salting, and I was influencing, and being a missionary for Jesus. Some of you need a vehicle to make that happen, and for me, in my job here, one of the things that I have the joy of being part of is the Connect card. So when we take out the Connect card, and you fill it out as a new, new, new person here at Southridge, and you, you hand that in— I respond to that and some of the things that, I, that come about in that is that people ask about baptism like we saw today. People ask about being in community with a few. My favorite ones are the ones that say I am interested in starting a relationship with Jesus. So I use that opportunity to, 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 to make the most of every opportunity and to season that conversation with salt, salt and to start that, that, that email back and forth and sometimes that ends up with us meeting in person. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to have a connect card system at their house, although that would make a really amazing impression on them if you had someone over to your house and then you handed them a $5 gift card to Tim Hortons or Starbucks. That might make an impression. But that's a vehicle that you can use, that I've used to do this, but you guys also have other vehicles that you can use. And there's a bunch of scenarios that I want to bring out later in this message to share with you. The second question, that I, the key question that I want us to look at is today is this. How many opportunities have you missed lately? I want you to think about that. How many opportunities have you missed? You may be like, I don't know. <sighs> it's, it's exactly the right response because we actually don't know. When we live our lives, where we're not thinking like we are missionaries, we aren't actually seeing these opportunities and we're, not, we're just missing them all the time. So that number is unknown. We keep, just keep on going, uh, not realizing that we've missed out on an opportunity when we don't focus on being missionaries. Listen, don't lose heart in this because our imperfect person is enough of an example to others. Our imperfect person, the way you feel right now, where you feel like, man, how am I going to do this? It still is enough to lead people to Jesus. It still is enough to salt conversations. It still is enough to be an influence, to be a missionary. We will miss opportunities, that's for sure, because I still do. We aren't perfect, but that shouldn't stop us. I have another story from this a couple of weeks ago and this is when I, I have a community garden plot in the Murrayville Community Garden and we were, it's time to pay for the year. So I went into the office where they had this in Murrayville here and, and lo and behold, I came into the, into the meeting and the lady that received the same, or a community garden plot the same day as me We were enjoying this together. Um, She was also there paying for her plot. We were the first two people to pay for it. We were really eager beavers. And so we walked in here, and as we were talking, I was like, oh, hey, it's great to see you. And I hadn't seen you since last summer, and we chatted for a little bit. And as we went along, I asked her how things were going, and then she started crying. So as I'm preparing for this message, I'm thinking about, okay, Wes, you got to practice what you preach. You got to make sure that you're doing this salting conversations. And so I just, I just let go and I just said, okay, God, use me in this. And so as she was crying, she started describing to me um, how she's uh, having a separation with her husband and, and my heart broke because she's probably in her late sixties. And this is a long time. She was probably with this person. And I remember just talking it through with her and sharing with her, okay, like, uh, I, like I would to any of you in this church. If you were going through a tough time, I would walk alongside with you and i encourage you and, and help. And know knowing the line of, she doesn't know I'm a pastor, so I'm just trying to help her and encourage her and, 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 and comfort her in this time. Well, Now, I didn't realize this, but afterwards, it was the lady that was taking the money for the community group plot that I actually had a further conversation with because she witnessed this whole thing and she had the look on this, her face like, what do you do for a living? How did you just do that? Because the words that were coming out of her mouth were, and she didn't know what to say. So I just stepped into that, to that moment and I helped her. And I had a, a chance to describe to her not only that I was a pastor, but she asked which church we were from, that I was from, and uh, I was able to share with her a little bit about the hope that I have in Jesus. Practice what I preach. I have to make sure I do that and not fail, because <laughs> I want to make sure that you see that we have to do this. That is important. So you may ask yourself: You've heard a lot of stuff about this, but why should I do these things? Why bother? If we don't, these people will never enter the family of God. The people that don't know Jesus, they will never enter that family. They will never go from spiritual life to spiritual or spiritual death to spiritual life. They can't leave spiritual death and enter spiritual life if we don't season with salt. They need to be adopted into the family of God and once on the outside, but brought into this community and accepted like one of us. That's why it is so important to share with non-believers not only is their eternal life up for grabs, but that their life here on earth is, is, there's a meaning to it and there's purpose and they can find themselves in the family of God. If they don't commit to Jesus, they can't be a follower. If those people don't commit to Jesus, they can't celebrate big. If they don't commit to Jesus, they can't be part of God's family and then go deep into community with a few. They will never see that. If they don't commit to Jesus, they can't serve one another the way Christ wants them to. They just don't know it yet. And if they don't commit to Jesus, they can't engage in the mission because it won't make sense without understanding their purpose. Their purpose of serving Jesus and knowing Jesus in their lives. So today, we looked at as you, as Jesus followers, we are missionaries. That is what we looked at today. If we are to be missionaries, if every conversation should be intentional, so what does it look like tomorrow, Monday? What does it look like next week? How do we live I want to give you some quick scenarios, as I said I was going to uh, now, just to give you this, paint this picture for you. You can imagine, here's your scenario. You're a student at school. You walk up to your locker, there's a group of people there. You think to yourself, how am I going to put salt into this conversation? How am I going to season it with grace? You're at work. And you're at the office and you're going up to the, the water cooler talk. And the water cooler talk can be good at times, but it can go south pretty fast. What are you going to do to make that salty and full of grace? You're at a volleyball game. You're, you're part of the soccer team and you're in the soccer field. How are you going to play your sport with season, with salt and grace? How are you going to be the parent on the side doing the same? At the end of your driveway, as you take out the recycling, you have a chance to talk with your neighbor Are you going to go five minutes longer? Are you going to make that conversation seasoned with salt and full of grace? You're a college student and you're here and you're thinking, how do I do that? You've got a group project and you know that you have the group project to do, but you know you go into other things you're talking about, other things that you're doing and other things that you're watching and all that stuff. How are you going to season that conversation with salt? and season it with the grace of Jesus? And how are you going to make the difference? Now that you have some visuals of some scenarios, I want you to think through these three types of people that I've uh, I've got for you. You can be any one of these three to act out the message. You got this? You ready? The first one is to be a bargain hunter. That could be you. Coming off of this message, you'd be like, yes, I'm going to be a bargain hunter. I'm going to love Jesus more and let that passion for Jesus fuel me to look eagerly for opportunities to bring others to Jesus. I'm going to snatch that up. I'm going to be a bargain hunter. I think sometimes what stops us in this is that, that we don't maybe understand that Jesus is everything to that person. That maybe, maybe we don't, we don't Maybe we struggle with whether or not we really do care about their eternal state. And maybe we don't realize that we need to care for Jesus and his cause more. And maybe that's what's stopping us. But maybe you need to be a bargain hunter. The second type of person is maybe you need to be a salt shaker. And maybe that's your next challenge. You just think, okay, well, maybe I'm not a bargain hunter. I'm not that eager beaver. But what I can do is every conversation, I'll just be like, oh, I'm going to just... Be like, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would I turn this to be gracious? How would I be fueled with the grace that Jesus is in it and just start spreading salt everywhere? Everywhere I go. Everywhere, the grocery store, everywhere I go. How am I gonna do that? And you think that through and you'll be a salt shaker. And the last one is to be a berry picker. And you might be thinking, where does berries get into the salt and stuff? But trust me on this. If you see the fruit, if you see the fruit low-hanging fruit that you just think, man, that's so ripe, and someone is so close to following Jesus, they're like, yeah, I just love to this church, or I just love, I'm, I'm just interested in God, or I am just interested. What do you do at your church? You go to church on Sunday, what do you do? And they start asking questions. That means that that, that fruit is ready to go. and you need to pick that fruit as soon as it's ripe and, and to help move that conversation along to giving that person an opportunity to follow Jesus because we are all missionaries. My little neighbor, my little neighbor Liam is the funniest little kid because every time my strawberries every year get ripe, you know that really red ripe feeling where you're like, "Oh, it's almost ready. I'm going to wait another day before I get to it." Every single time he goes and grabs it and eats it. I think we need to have that urgency. Where we see the ripe fruit and we just think, before that guy even gets to it, I just got to go for it because I know that Jesus is important to them and I need to grab that fruit and I need to offer that to Jesus because it's rightfully his. And to say, here you go, Jesus, I help this person follow you for the first time. That urgency, making the most of every opportunity. As Jesus followers, we are missionaries and we need to be actively influencing everyone, don't we? Everybody especially those on the outside. You are already the missionary. Live and speak what we looked at today. Let's together live that reality for our lives. Let's bow in in prayer together. So Father God, we pray that you will show us the areas in our lives that where we have not surrendered to you. And show us where we have not taken up opportunities and seasoned our conversations with salt. As you show us this, may it be a reminder for the opportunities to come that we can live, we can all live as missionaries or ambassadors to your kingdom with those who don't know you. We ask you to prompt us through the power of your Holy Spirit to see where you are working, that we may join you in that work. And once identified, please, Lord, give us the courage to speak boldly, to, be, to speak graciously, and may we see many lies right in front of our eyes be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. May it also ignite our faith that we, may, we should share it more and more with every day we age. May we ask you these things boldly because of the work that Jesus has done, giving us access to the throne room. May you be lifted higher than anyone or anything and may your kingdom rule on earth as it is in heaven. And it is through Jesus' name we pray. Amen.